5. So I got a word for you this morning from the Lord, and this is so cool, because yet again, the Holy Spirit did exactly what He did every Sunday that we ever gather together. So this is the title of the word God gave me. Weddings and wine. What were we just talking about? This whole morning, what have we been talking about? Weddings. It's an anniversary wedding. It's a ministries or wedding. Like we're all wedded together. Like we're wedded to Jesus. Like the Holy Spirit said this to me about this move of God. This move of God that we're living in is about a wedding. Like we're supposed to live. That's what the whole live peaceful and quiet lives with all godliness and reverence before him is live like a married person. Live a covenant life. Right? So we're actually, the move of God is going to look like a giant wedding. Like it's going to be people who can just soak in the presence of God. I want you to think about it. There's a church that's just been released to start having soaking worship. So in soaking worship, what is that? It's relationship. With who? Holy Spirit. So the whole purpose is these, these bodies of Christ, these IHOPs, these places, these schools of ministry. There's a bunch of schools of ministry that are breaking out this, this fall. Why are they breaking out? So people learn how to walk in relationship. It's covenant. Then you listen to like different pastors as their hearts, like what is being released through them. It's about relationship. The words that God's speaking is like, hey, don't forget that women are just as important in this covenant thing that I'm doing as men are. And men aren't just supposed to be celebrated and elevated while the women just lag behind. You know, that's not a part of this move of God. This move of God's going to be through covenant. So marriage is going to be pivotal. It's critical. But even in the single people, they're supposed to be in a married covenant with Jesus. It's a covenant with Him. So that's the title of the message today. So I've never seen this before. I want to release something that I feel the Holy Spirit gave me. So some of you may have seen this, and that's cool because I'm going to repeat it to you. So weddings and wine. My heart cannot move off of grace. That's what God said to me. He said, Justin, I don't want you to ever move off of my grace. So I can't. I'll never go back to law. I'll never go back to the, the rules. I'll never go backwards in my walk with Jesus. And so I'm gonna, he's going to hold me there. He's going to give me the grace to stay in grace. So I had a meeting with these guys this weekend, and they were asking, like, how do we do accountability? And I want to share this with you because I felt like the Holy Spirit said it through me. How do you hold each other accountable? Here's how the church has learned how to hold each other accountable. Here's the rules under which you will walk to avoid the things you've been trying to avoid. And I'm going to ask you questions about the rules you're following. And if you answer me in the wrong context, then we'll know we got to go after this thing. Do you know what I've just done in accountability? I've given power to sin. And now he has to spend the week trying to figure out how to not break a rule in his life. Concerned with the question I'm going to ask and the condemnation he's going to feel. Totally outside of the, the grace of Jesus Christ. And we call it in the church accountability. So here's what it looks like to me. And this is just something I shared with these guys because their hearts were hungry. They're like, we want to be transparent. We want to be open. We don't want the body of Christ to be secretive and hiding and struggling and not free to follow Jesus and live for him. And then what came out of me was get together with each other and ask each other what you believe. Have you been able to believe this week that you're a son? Have you been able to believe this week that you're a daughter? Is there any place in your life right now you feel condemned? Because if there's a place in your life you feel condemned, then there's an issue in your heart that needs to be transformed through right believing that'll remove that condemnation. And we want to get you back to believing that you're really a son and you're really in the right position. 
You're really a daughter and you're really in the right position. So I've come here today to be your accountability partner on the reality and the revelation of grace. Do you get that? It's the whole opposite side of like, oh, you're struggling with that. Let's talk about that. Let's focus on that. Let's pay attention to that. And that's why church services and small groups become this wallowing in the mire. I'm a wretched sinner because I've had all this struggle and trouble and trial. And Jesus is like, no, that was on the cross 2000 years ago. 100% paid for, not 99% with you needing to put in a 1%, 100% I paid for it. So that's how he has moved in my heart to say, Justin, hold each other to a position of my grace. And now all of a sudden you're empowering somebody you're talking to. Rather, they're not coming to the meeting going, man, I wonder, I'm going to have to answer some questions. This is going to be a tough meeting. They're going to the meeting going, I love meeting with this dude because he reminds me of who I am in Christ. And I can't wait to get there because I want to be more of who Christ says I am. It's so different. Jesus is like, if you feel condemned, it's not from him. If you feel empowered, it's from him. So when I preach grace, when I speak about grace, when I live this grace thing, I can tell you guys... It is the opposite of a license to sin because my life is more pure in behavior than it was a year ago before I had this revelation. Not because I'm trying hard. Not because I'm like, hey, I'm putting this safeguard and this rule and this discipline. I'm just more pure because he's more pure. And I spend more time with him. And so his purity rubs off on me. And I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I'm not a son. I'm a sinner. I'm not a wretch. I'm not all those things. I'm a saint and a son in the king's kingdom. And he loves me. He's my dad. And he's like, it doesn't matter in that moment where I'm at. So I I just declare that because I feel people are so opposed to this thing because they've leaned on their own understanding and they've they've elevated their their work in their in their relationship with Jesus, which diminishes the finished work of who he is. Right. So if I'm in a wedding with with a with a God who wants me to be a bride to him. All right. I have to realize that there's nothing I can do for him to select me as a bride. It has to be born 100% in his heart. I want him as my bride. And Jesus said, I want them all as my bride. No one can come to him without it being him that rises up and says, this is the one. I want Harrison. You're my bride. I want Ginger. You're my bride. I want Tony. You're my bride. I want Camilla. You're my bride. All of us. I want you as a bride. So watch this. Psalm 75 verse 7. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. Okay, Psalm is where? Old Covenant. Law, right? So he's saying God's going to judge based on the law. He's going to judge it based on this perfect... The law is not unholy. The law is perfect and holy and just, as Paul said. But it reveals sin. So it elevates sin. So the issue is, here's what he says, verse 8. For in the hand of the Lord, there's a cup with foaming wine. Well mixed. Okay, so this foaming wine is well mixed. What is this wine? He says, he pours out from it and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. The dregs is where the solids are in the bottom of the barrel. Wine in the Old Covenant is the wrath of God because of the law of God. The people of Israel came to God and said, we'll do whatever you tell us. Just give us a law. God said, here's your law. 3,000 died. Why? Because God's perfect and man can't stand before him. So 
In the flip side, Jesus came, breathed on the Holy, breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples. His disciples go into Jerusalem and they release the covenant of grace, the new wine. And what happens? 3,000 people are eternally born again to recover the 3,000 that were dead at Sinai. So grace makes 3,000 live, law makes 3,000 die. God's very clear in everything he puts in the Word. I just love the Word of God. I'm just telling you, I love it. So they're drinking it down to the dregs, this wine of the wrath of God. And then go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I love, I love the book of John. You know, it's really funny. I read through the Bible. So I'll read like at the same time. I'll start in Genesis and I'll read through the Old Covenant. At the same time, I start in Matthew and read through the New Covenant. So I'm always in the Old and New Covenant because I always want the lens of grace to govern my reading of the Old Covenant. And so I finished the book of uh, Luke. And when I finished the book of Luke, I didn't even contemplate it. But the next day I turned my Bible over and it was John, you know, it was like, and I was like, oh, yes, John. <laughs> like, it's like, I get this excitement in me because I just love the revelation of Jesus through the book of John. So in John chapter 2, I just want to show you this. I've never seen this before. So it's exciting to me. Hopefully it's exciting to you. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out, Take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, but when, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This the, first of his, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. <laughs> so watch this. Third day, there's a wedding. It's in Cana. The word Cana means read. So the third day, there's a wedding in the place called Reed. The mother of Jesus, Yeshua, is there at the wedding. Okay? I'm just pointing out some things you guys see. It's obvious. The wine runs out. Okay? But the mother of Jesus is there. When the mother of Jesus speaks, Jesus responds, woman. It's very important. Because the mother of Jesus is at the wedding with Jesus when the wine ran out and this conversation is woman. Okay, the word in the Greek is gune. And so, and his mother says, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Six stone water jars. Six, it's the number of man. Stone, that's what the law was written on. Vessels. It's what we are. Water is poured into the stone vessels, which gets drawn out 
and is actually wine. What's drawn out is taken to, on the third day, the master of the feast. The master of the feast is the father of the bride. So on the third day, when the wine is taken to the master of the feast, being the father of the bride, (laughs) do you hear where I'm going with this? (laughs) So he takes it, and the master of the feast says to him, most give the good wine first, saving the poor wine for later. Psalm 75 verse 8 says, it's the wine of foaming the wrath of God. The foaming cup of the wrath of God. The disciples come to Jesus and say, we want to be at your right and your left hand. He says to them, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? Can you drink the wine I'm about to drink from Psalm 75 verse 8? Can you drink the wine I'm about to drink from Isaiah 52? Can you drink the wine I'm about to drink from, Psalm, from Isaiah chapter 64? Can you drink this wine? That's the question. So then, he says... But after the people have drunken freely, then they serve this this other wine. And this is what it says. This is the first of the signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee. The place of the reed. So watch this. The third day wedding, Jesus knows the scriptures of Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 3, which says, A broken reed... I will, a bruised reed I will not break. And a smoldering wick I'll not snuff out. So he's in the place of the reed. Jesus is living. And this is what Dave's word was so critical. What was the answer? Jesus says, look at me. Yeah. Look at me. See, we read scripture sometimes and I read scripture sometimes and I look at the story and I forget to look at him. And I'm looking at him now in this story, and I'm seeing that Jesus is making a prophetic act of the purpose for which he came and lived on planet Earth. It's not just a wedding in Cana. It's not just that he came to do a sign and a wonder. Jesus came here, and this is what he says. He says, I'm a breed who's bruised. I'm going to be bruised, but I will not be broken. So in this wedding in Cana, I will make a declaration by my life of what I came for the purpose I came for. So he says, pour the water into the jars. When Jesus was crucified and they punctured his side, what came out? Water. And who did it purify? His death purified the sons of man for all time, for everyone who would believe. Jesus' death was pouring the rites of purification out upon humanity when his, water was, when his side was pierced and water rushed out. It was being poured into, that's why it's six stone jars. That's why it was poured out into those six jars. So think about it. So Jesus is on the cross, and he's purifying man through his death. Water's flowing out. This purity and cleansing is taking place. On the third day, where does Jesus go? Presents himself to the Father. Mary, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended. To the Father. The wine of grace hasn't yet gone to heaven. So don't touch me until I go because I have to go there in the glory of who I am. Do you see that? So Jesus on the cross is fulfilling the wedding at Cana. The wedding feast of the Lamb, though there's going to be a point in time that we have an actual feast, 
Think about this. The wedding feast really took place at the cross. That was the wedding of the realities of the kingdom of God being released on planet earth. It was not a wedding to look forward to. We are married in, in this kingdom place with God now. So the wedding is a now thing, not a later thing. There is going to be an actual wedding. But Jesus said at this place, I'm going to be the one who is the bridegroom. And my bride can come to me. Because of the wedding and the wine of grace. So, usually the good wine is first. Not in the kingdom. The poor wine was the wine of God's wrath. It was a worse covenant. If it, was a fi- if it was a sufficient covenant, we would have not needed the covenant of grace. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3. Because it was lacking, we had to have Jesus or we could never have the wine of grace. We could never have relationship. We never could have oneness with Him. So what did God do? He didn't serve the good wine first only to give you the bad wine in the end of the time. He served the bad wine first to let you know that the good wine is what is to come. So that's what we have is the wine of the grace of God in our generation. So I think about it this way. I think not only that, not only on the cross was this wedding at Cana manifested. But then Jesus, after being resurrected, comes back to his disciples. And what does he do? He breathes on them to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until He filled the jars of clay with the Spirit of God that any wine could come out of them. Because the only thing that came out of them up until that time was failure, missing the mark, sin, denial of Christ. Their their minds couldn't even conceive the Scriptures. They couldn't even understand what Jesus was saying to them. They had no clue what was going on because they were natural men. Natural men. Like stone jars. So when he pours the water of the Spirit into his disciples, what happens? 3,000 people are saved after Pentecost. The Spirit is poured out and every one of the disciples went into the uttermost parts of the world and moved the kingdom of God with the what? The wine of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not through following rules and good behavior. It was the wine of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's right believing that caused a revolution to go across the entire world. And that's what God was saying to me about this wedding and wine. Is He's saying this. We are moving in a move of the Holy Spirit that is going to be saturated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But here's what people want in revival. They want the excitement, the power, the big meetings. They want the, the, the huge numbers coming forward. They want to see the manifestation of God in the planet earth. And it was the same thing that the people got caught in when the days in Jesus was on the planet. And they said, do a sign for us. It's what Herod got caught in. Jesus comes and stands before him and Herod's like, do a sign for me and show me who you really are. Because they get caught in this manifestation stuff. They miss the whole point that this is a wedding thing. Grace is all about my ability to stand in a right position and spend time with the one that I love. 
It's not about the, ma- the manifestations will come if I will stay in a position of looking at the one who's seated on the governing throne and loving him and him loving me. Our interaction face to face every moment of every day, especially when I fail, especially when I let him down, especially if I have fallen short of the mark to look him in the face and go, I've fallen short of the mark, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ because of the finished work of what you have done. So right here and right now, we're face-to-face like we've always been face-to-face, regardless that my behavior was lagging behind. Because my spirit is with you. My spirit is whole. My spirit is transformed. I'm out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of light. Therefore, you and me are good. And I'm going to make that declaration boldly at the throne of grace because I need help right now. And he says, where sin abounds, grace abounds the much more. So getting that right position is all about celebration with the bridegroom who goes, that's right, now, let's just get on our faces together. Jesus isn't a God who stands above us and says, get on your face, boy. He's a God who's in me who says, let's get on our faces together. Let's get on our faces and let's get in a quiet place. Why would if Jesus sought solitary places to pray with the Father, why would he not still seek solitary places to pray with the Father now through me so that I can be engaged in what he was engaged in in a kingdom that he understood and I don't? He's saying to me at a regular basis, get alone with me and the Father. I will be the grace for you to do it. And here's what happens. When you really love somebody and you're really in a covenant, you want to spend more time with them. If you really love somebody, you really want to be there. And so here's what happens. When you start going into that place and He gives you the grace to get quiet and intimate with them, you know what He does? He fills you with more desire to be in that place. We're getting quiet and intimate with Him. You know what falls off? Coarse jesting, rude talk, things that aren't even to be mentioned among us. The stuff that we read about in Ephesians where it says the bride is supposed to look like this. And it's falling off. It's not, I'm trying not to do it. It's falling off because I'd rather talk about the goodness of who he is in your life and others' lives. And that becomes my language, which is a language of love. Now I don't see the failures and the faults that you may or may not have. I see the destiny that lives inside of you, what God wants to draw forward. You see the destiny in somebody and you're just reaching in, just saying, I want to see your destiny come to pass. I want to see you be who you need to be. You don't need those drugs. You don't need that alcohol. You don't need that sex. You don't need these things. You need the love of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what you were destined for. So you just have that Father's revelation over people. And you know what you're doing? You're pouring out a huge foaming cup of wine that is the good wine, the great wine. When the one that tastes it says, I really do taste and see that the Lord is good. I really do taste and see that the Lord is good. Because guess what? Everyone who drank from the old covenant had one realization. God is a freaky God because he can do what he wants and I can't measure up and therefore I will be destroyed. David said, I don't want to leave the planet, God, because who can praise you from Sheol? Because he didn't know and didn't have the spirit of God within him. He didn't want to be gone. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and said, God, let this disease pass from me because I don't want to go out of this planet because I don't know who praises you from Sheol because I don't know what's coming. God said, you have 15 more years. See, the people in the old covenant didn't have what we have. Yet they believed. Yet they believed. They didn't have the assurance that I've got because I sit in this place right here and Jesus shows up. I sit here and Jesus comes. I drive my truck and Jesus sits with me and talks to me. I walk someplace and Jesus just says, look at this. All the time. All the time. 
If I'll just have ears to hear and eyes to see, he's constantly loving me. He's loving me. Don't worry, son, I got it. Don't worry, son, I got it. He doesn't come to me and go, you've been worrying for a week. What's wrong with you? He comes every time and says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'm right here. I'm right here. Every time. Every single time. Yeah, I want the world to know. I want the world to know that God who is really God, the Jesus who really died and who really gave us a wine that we can drink and be merry. We can be so merry in the grace of Jesus Christ. We have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. God, I just pray right now over the persecuted church, God, that there would be a revelation of your grace in their hearts right now, God. You showed me a, you showed me a young man, God, who's being persecuted for his faith. God, he just needs the revelation that he has nothing to be afraid of. If they took his life from him right now, he would only be dancing with you in glory. And God, if they torture him, he will only be crowns and, and heaped up in heaven that he can throw at your feet. That God, he would not even feel the pain and the suffering, God. That your grace would be sufficient in this hour for whoever it is, God, and wherever he sits today, God. We just say in Jesus' name, we release the grace of God over him. The revelation of the good wine. In fact, God, I pray you intoxicate him with the power of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Just intoxicate him, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So it's a good wine. And Jesus, this is so cool to me. Because God is a God who says whatever has been will be again. Whatever has been will be again. So the wedding at Cana was the start of Jesus' ministry. The wedding at Calvary was the completion of Jesus' ministry. It was a wedding. You know, if we can see what God sees, it pleased God to crush His Son on the cross because He was gaining love relationship with a bride so here's why jesus did not respond mother what does this have to do with me he responded woman because that word is often used for wife what he was really saying is he's saying my bride which his mother would be in the bride my bride what does this have to do with me my hour has not yet come what he's saying is there's an hour coming when I will have my bride. So right now I'm going to perform this miracle because my father wants me to show you this is why I came to be wed to the bride. So I just released that declaration over us that this move of God for us guys is going to be at our personal intimate relationship with Jesus. And we will not get caught up in signs and wonders and manifestations to like... We're not going to come in this room and be... We're going to see people get out of wheelchairs. We're going to see blind people's eyes open. We're going to hear... There's deaf people are going to have... There's backs going to be radically changed. There's cancers that are going to leave. There there is all kind of skin diseases that are going to fall off people. We're not going to come in this room and spend an hour high-fiving and celebrating the signs and the wonders we saw that week. We're going to come in this room and get before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and honor Him and thank Him that we are, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That we are the bride and He is the bridegroom. That's where our passion's going to live. Not because we're trying to. We're not going to come in here legalistically and be like, oh, don't talk about it. We're going to come in here with our hearts so full saying, I just want to be with Him. I just want to worship Him. I just want to be near Him. I just want to hear, I want to hear His voice. 
I don't care what he says. I just want to hear his voice. You know? So I just re- released that over us this morning and hope you're blessed by it. Yeah, Dave. When you come down off the mountain after spending time in his presence, 